Praise God. Well, tonight we're going to look at some different things regarding the authority of the believer. And so I want you to turn your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 1 and Ephesians chapter 3. I kind of want to open with this. You know, it's vitally important that the Word of God be revealed in our spirit. And what I mean is it's not just enough for us just to memorize Scripture. We want to understand it with our minds. I mean, how many know you can know a lot of Scripture, but you don't quite get it? I mean, you, you can see things, and, and I don't have a full grasp. Well, that's what we want. We want to understand it. We, how, how can I walk in something I don't understand? Now, I believe God, and I can trust God, even if I don't fully understand it, but it's hard for me to be a doer of it if I don't know how to interpret it, how to operate it in my life. And in the book of Ephesians, where we're going to look, the Apostle Paul wrote some prayers down that were Holy Spirit-inspired prayers. What I mean is the Holy Spirit inspired these prayers for believers to pray. All right. So it goes a step beyond just, oh, these are nice uh, prayers. What I want to encourage you to is to be praying these in your own life on a consistent basis. I would even recommend daily. I mean, every day, but at least do it every few days. But what the idea is, is that in these two prayers, the main idea is for the Holy Spirit to reveal to us the Word of God, to unveil things to us, uh, His plan and His purposes and so on. And so let, let's take a quick look at them. We're going to spend a lot of time on them, but let's take a look. Ephesians chapter 1, and let's just begin with verse 16. Ephesians 1, 16. He goes in there, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And in verse 17, we get into the prayer. Verse 17, that the God, so this is what he's praying, this is what he's asking the Father in the name of Jesus for, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you, so that's to you and me, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So we want the spirit of wisdom and that revelation, what does revelation mean? Just an unveiling. In other words, you're, you're pulling back the veil so that we can see it clearly. Revelation in the knowledge of Him. Of Him who? Of Him, God. The eyes of your understanding. What's the eyes of your understanding? That is your spirit man. The real you on the inside. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That's what the Word of God is going to do. It's going to enlighten you. You're going to see things. What does light mean? Well, light means I can see clearly, right? In the dark, I can't. But when it's unveiled to me, what can I do? I can see it clearly. So the eyes of your understanding, your spirit being enlightened, that you may, and there's three things we see here, that you may, why are we doing all this? That you may know what is the hope of his calling, number one, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? I like to say in the saints is, because we're talking about something. So in other words, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints is? And thirdly, what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? 
You see those three things there, three very clear things. What are the hope of his calling? What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints is? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? Is there mighty power toward you who believe? If we believe, then the working of the Holy Spirit, that the power of God can go to work in our life. So that's one prayer. Then go to Ephesians chapter 3. And we see another very clear prayer. Now there are other prayers throughout the New Testament. Book of Colossians, Philippians, Thessalonians. There are prayers I recommend that you look up and you pray for yourself and others. How many know you can't go wrong praying the Word of God? Holy Spirit-inspired words from the Word of God. Let me put it this way. If God were to pray a prayer, this would be it. You you get that? If God were to pray a prayer, this is what he would do. And so, all right, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So we got what? Family in heaven and we have family on earth, right? We're one. Everybody say we're one. We're one family. Some of us are in heaven and some of us are here. Okay, but we're one body. There's not two. Now notice what he gets here, very specific. Verse 16, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. What is he saying? That we would be strengthened with his might by the Holy Spirit in our inner man, in our spirit. Verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that, that, so now we're getting into something, that, you being rooted and grounded in love. Is love important? Well, think about who God is. He is love. And so love is the groundwork of everything that we get from God. And so he's saying, I want you to be rooted and grounded in love. Notice what he says, verse 18, that you may be able to comprehend or understand with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. That Why? That you may be filled with all the fullness of of God. How many want to be filled with all the fullness of God? See, what he's saying, how in the world can we be filled with the fullness of God if we remove love? And so we have to have an understanding. We need to be constantly growing in love. In fact, in the book of Philippians, he prays that we would grow and abound in love more and more, that we are always developing, that we're growing. And we always need to be reminded, don't we? I mean, come on, every day, all the time. Because, I mean, you can be up one moment and doing great in the morning, but then somebody tees you off in the afternoon. And you might forget to walk in love in the afternoon. You might forget who you are. Why? You got busy, you're, you're irritated, you're tired, you're having a Snickers moment, you know, whatever that is, you know, going on in your life. And so we need to be constantly reminded, constantly reminded. I went today to get my uh, car oil changed, tires rotated, all that kind of stuff. And it's the quick lane, okay, at this particular Ford dealership that I, we bought the car from. And it's the quick lane. Well, an hour and a half later, and I, so I look at the guy and I'm like, huh, I think you maybe need to redefine quick lane. 
And the guy just looks at me, well, thank you, sir. We appreciate it. And, and I, I kept my cool, but I wanted to just say, can I talk to a manager and describe that I think you ought to change the sign? Because how many agree? An hour and a half is not quick. Dear Lord, you can go to a Jiffy Lube, be in and out in 10 minutes. And I'm not saying go to Jiffy Lube. I'm just saying, you know what I mean, quick. Quick means hastily, moving along. An hour and a half is not moving along just to change the oil. Anyway, hallelujah. I didn't tell you where it was, so I'm good. (laughs) All right. So these two prayers, though, were inspired by the Holy Spirit for us. And as I mentioned, I would recommend praying them on a consistent basis. Just replace the you with I. Just put you in there. I say you. That's funny. I replace you and I. You with I. And it's just you in there. All right, some of you are getting that, some of you are not. But anyway, <laughs> it's designed by the Holy Spirit. And like I said, you can't do better praying God's Word. You can't do any better than that. Uh, you know, and somebody might say, I prayed that, Pastor, and I honestly am not even sure I understand what I'm praying. Well, isn't that the point? Right? Pray it and then believe God that we know that God heard my prayer. Why did, he, why did the Lord tell you to pray this? Because he wants to answer this prayer. He's saying this is important in your life. So pray this prayer. How many ways does he tell us how to pray specifically? I mean, what to say? <laughs> he doesn't in a lot of cases. But in these few cases, he's pray this prayer. Little neon sign. What is he saying? I want to answer this prayer in your life because this will get you somewhere. Brother Hagen Sr. says that several of his books where the Lord began to deal with him on praying these prayers. And he said after about six months, he would pray them consistently. I mean, every day, sometimes more than once a day, sometimes several times a day. Sometimes he said he would go in and he would just go at the altar in his church and he'd just have his Bible opened it and just pray it over and over and over and over and over. He said over about six months or so, I think it was about six months, he said he realized, dear Lord, what have I been preaching all these years? Why? He was growing in revelation. He was growing in his understanding, realizing, dear Lord, he would use the expression, it's no wonder the deacons didn't have to call him out of the rain. You know what I'm saying? Like some guy in the rain doesn't know it's raining. And you're out there and you get it? Not very bright. Is that's what he's saying. He's like, what have I been talking all this time? He, he realized, wow, did I grow and develop. So how many agree? If it worked for him, it worked for you. Amen, it worked for me. Praise God. And so I encourage you to pray it continually, consistently, and praying for other believers. How many got family that, that may even be born again, but they're not walking with the Lord like they should? Pray this prayer. Why? You, what is the problem in their life? The devil has veiled, blinded them. Remember, the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that don't believe. They're not seeing clearly, and that's what we want. We want them to see clearly. How many agree that if everyone, every person could see absolutely clear as a bell what Jesus did, no one would refuse him. No one in their right mind would refuse him. No one. But that's the problem. The problem is they're not seeing in their right mind. They're not seeing it the way they should be. Have you ever noticed it's really hard to witness to your family? Why is it hard to witness to your family? Well, number one, they might feel convicted in issues, and so you come along and don't help the matter any. And you're not trying. You just love them and want to win them to Jesus. You want to see their life be better, not worse. But 
that presence of you being excited about the Lord is not helping that conviction that's on them for not doing what they know to do. And on top of that, they'll say, you know, they'll look at your life and know everything about you. That's why it's so important that we're, we're walking the tightrope, so to speak, when we're going to minister to family. Make sure you're walking it. Make sure that you control your attitude and you, 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 you don't let the flesh out. Because the minute they get you, got you! I knew you could get mad. I knew you would get upset. And they goaded you, and they goaded you, and they goaded you. Now, is it really them being malicious? No, it's the devil using them. They just don't know it. And then you took the bait and got up. Oh, I can't talk to any of you. And now you just wasted two years of telling them about the Lord. And you got to start all over again. Now, once they're born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, what will they say? I am so sorry for harassing you. Now I understand how you feel. Don't feel bad when you're trying to... Listen, Jesus didn't do real good with his own family sometimes. Those that got real close to him, there was very few good things that happened. Remember? I mean, not, not many good things happened. Why? No, he's, he's just the carpenter's son. He's just... We know Jesus. I mean, he didn't something special. He didn't... You think he was walking around glowing guys like you see in those pictures? He was just walking around with a glow. I'm the Lord. No, he was, in fact, you wouldn't pick him out of a crowd to say he's the Lord. The Bible says he just looks like any ordinary person. In fact, you would not think he was very special. You wouldn't be able to pick him out that way, but spend a little time with him. And you might find out this guy's got something going on. Amen. That's what you wanted to say about you. You've got something going on. Amen. Amen. Let your life be part of the testimony is what I'm trying to say. Could focus on being a doer of the word and growing up, they'll begin to see things change in your life. Amen? All right, now let's jump into some things. Go with me to the book of John, chapter 15. And I want you to go to the book of Colossians, chapter 1. Keep your finger or something in the book of Colossians because we're going to stay in the, that book a little bit. But John 15. Now remember this, we've been talking for a little while. That Jesus defeated Satan, right? But we need to understand that Satan still exists on this planet. So he is our adversary and we're to be aware of him and his operation in the world. In John chapter 15, verse 19. John 15, verse 19. Jesus said this. If you were of the world, notice that, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. So what is Jesus essentially saying in this verse? And by the way, it's good that you know where this verse is because you'll recognize this. We say what? We're not of this world, right? We're not of this world. And you're like, well, where is that scripture? Where does it say that? Well, this is what he's talking about in John 15, 9. We're not of the world. Yet, we still live in the world. But I'm the, Jesus is making a distinction between us. Okay, We're not of this world, but we still have to live in this world. And this is where Jesus is making a distinction. You and I, while we're still in this world, are not trying to fight Satan. Let me say that again. We are not fighting the devil. We are not. Everybody say it with me. We are not to fight Satan. Satan already has been fought and lost. Jesus already defeated him. What we are to do is simply enforce 
Jesus' victory over the devil. There's a big difference, guys. Big difference. There's a big difference between enforcing something and actually being the original that did something, okay? We're not fighting the devil. If you really got in a fight with the devil, he'd whip your rear end. I mean, that, that's not the issue. The issue is we are enforcing Jesus' victory over him. And he has no choice but to accept it. Did you originally do anything to the devil? Were you there? No. I was in Christ, but I didn't do it just like salvation. Who provided it? It was free, right? You didn't earn it. You couldn't buy it. You couldn't do anything. It was just a free gift given to you. Well, Jesus' victory over the devil was a free gift given to you. Amen? Now, Colossians chapter 1. Go to Colossians chapter 1. And again, keep your finger something in Colossians for the rest of the evening. Colossians chapter 1, verse 12. Giving thanks. Remember, we're talking about enforcing Jesus' victory over the devil. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Let's read it again. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us. Who's qualified us? The Father, right? He qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Now, God the Father, through the redemption Jesus provided, made you and I, all of us, qualified to share an inheritance with other believers. That's what he's saying. So we've been qualified, not by anything we've done, but by what he's done. So what is that inheritance? What is that? Well, look at verse 13. He has delivered us from the power of darkness, and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Now that word power, I've mentioned several times to you, correctly translated is authority. Authority is a better word than power right there. So we have been rescued from the authority of darkness. That's our inheritance. We've been rescued. We are part of the kingdom of God. We don't operate by the same rules. Remember, we're in this world. I mean, we're here, but we're not of this world. I don't have to operate by the restrictions that are in this world, by the things that are going on in this world. How does the economy work in this world? By fear. By fear. There won't be enough, therefore what do people do? Jack up prices, change things. In fact, we actually destroy crops just so there won't be an over and abundance. Isn't that nuts? I mean, we could just give it away. Oh, no, 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 we don't want to upset the balance of everything. Think about it. That's not right. People should die and not eat and we are throwing it away? We're, we're getting rid of it just so we can keep the financial balance of this world. That's a corrupt system. It really is a corrupt system. It is messed up. Don't you think that the big wigs in the world are the ones manipulating and controlling and distracting when do you guys not think there's enough food in this world to give it five times over to everybody? You think God didn't know what he's doing? He absolutely knew. The problem is God's not the one necessarily directly in charge. Who did he give dominion to? 
us. Amen? Now, how many times did I say, we're not very good at running it? We need his help and his direction to be able to run it. (laughs) And that's what God needs. He needs men and women in the earth who believe God for what? Abundance. Financial increase on the extreme. Why? He can do what he needs to do to build the kingdom. To expand the kingdom of God. Amen? I mean, that's what we want to do. But see, there's a lot of people say, oh, I don't want to do that. I'm just satisfied with my life the way it is. I don't want to mess. I don't want to get in the middle of everything. And that's being selfish. We should be believing God for extreme abundance. Why? Yeah, you're going to enjoy some of it, but what's the main purpose of it? To build the kingdom. So God can speak to you and he can get what needs to get done. You know, I think it'd be awesome to grow big enough and strong enough that when we hear about a need and it was $100,000, that we take care of it in one service. And here's the real dilemma. One of you says, well, I've been praying about it, and I don't know if I should write the check or I should let you guys share with me. Wouldn't that be awesome? But see, what does it start with? It starts with us doing what we know to do now and stretching ourselves. Amen? And as we stretch ourselves, we grow a little bit more. If you want to change, what do you got to do? Make a change. If you want a bigger harvest, what do you got to do? You got to sow more. You can't expect abundance if you didn't. A farmer wouldn't go out and say, yeah, I'm expecting a whole lot more. See all those fields over there? Yeah, what you done? Nothing. Then what are you going to get? Big fat of nothing. But what does he do if he wants to expand? What does he do? He sows more expecting a larger harvest. But it's insane. We got it in our heads sometimes that God's just going to prosper and expand us beyond whatnot. And we didn't do anything. He's like, what do I got to work with? I put the law of sowing and reaping in your hands. Do you realize the cap is on you, not on God? If you want to be a billionaire, it's not on him. It's on you. It's how far you want to take it and what's in your heart. Guys, that's the truth. It's as far as we want to go. It's as far as we're willing to go. It's as far as we're willing to trust Him and obey Him and honor Him. And and again, Lord, I want more abundance. So He says, then sow more. Listen to me. Obey me. And as you do it, again, over time, what happens? It just keeps on coming back. And you're bigger than you were. And then then you've got more to do more. And you're bigger than you were. And you've got more to do more, and you're bigger than you were. Until eventually you get to the point, you have so much wealth, how about you live off 10% and give God 90? And you're living better on the 10 than you were on the 90. Think about it. I'm telling you guys, God's got that available to us. Amen? So again, I'm going to read Colossians 1, 12 and 13 in the Amplified. Just keep your finger there. Listen to this. Giving thanks to the Father who is qualified and made us fit to share the portion which is the inheritance of the saints, God's holy people, in the light. The Father has delivered and drawn us to Himself out of the control and the dominion of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. What I love about that, guys, is we have been delivered. Not gonna be, we have been already, already delivered. Many people put this deliverance from the devil out in the future. They put it out there, when we get to heaven, I'll be delivered from the enemy. No, the Word of God says God has delivered us already. It's already done. 
I'm already free. You know, you remember the little joke, all of you? Remember the devil said what? And you'd see the guys laughing. Some of you need that. No, I'm talking about you need to act on it. The devil said what? Because isn't the devil talking to you all the time? Yes, he is, whether you realize it or not. He's that negative voice constantly telling you what won't work, what's going to fail, what's not going to happen. Always telling you, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. He is the liar. He is the one constantly talking. You need to realize you're delivered. He's just yappity yap yap. What you need to do is just start laughing at him and say, devil, you've got no dominion or authority over me. I don't, I'm not in that kingdom. That would be like a foreign police trying to go ahead and control our situation here. They don't belong, right? I mean, Russia's police aren't here in the United States helping us out. Get out of here. Go where you belong, right? My son, he's a police officer in Glenpool. Well, he doesn't go over to Tulsa and tell them what to do. He doesn't go arrest people and pull people over there. Why? Because that's not where he belongs. His authority is in Glenpool. And it ends in Glenpool. Unless somebody asks him for help. You get that? Well, we need to understand, I'm not in your kingdom, devil. Shut up. Why would you can say all you want? It has no influence in my life because I've been delivered from any, anything to do with you. You have nothing to do with me. You can't do anything in my life. That's why he's always yappity yap yap. He's trying to get you to talk it. He's trying to get you to think about it. He's trying to get you to act on it. If he can do that, now he's got something moving in your life. Why? Because you have authority in your life. Life and death is where? In the power of the tongue. You start thinking about it long enough, it's going to come out your mouth. You start talking about it, you start watching things, you start listening to things, it's going to come out your mouth. And once it comes out your mouth, well, that's a game changer now. So we want to watch what's coming out of our mouth. Now, what is the authority of darkness? What is the authority of darkness? It is Satan's kingdom where he rules and reigns. And we're no longer under his dominion. Say it with me, I'm no longer under the dominion of the devil. Now, what corresponds with that helps us to understand that he does have a kingdom, guys. He does rule and reign there. I mean, he's not a buffoon in the respect that he does have authority in that realm. Okay, How do I know that? Well, second, just write it down if you want. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 refers to Satan as the god of this world. And 1 John 5.19 says, In the whole world lies sway under the wicked one. In other words, the whole world is under the sway or the influence of the wicked one. And so, again, though, you and I, listen, we're not of the world. So he is influencing this world. The tragedy, the the bad things that happen. I I heard this the other day, and it probably will come up my message because I thought, man, that's too good to pass up. But I heard some actress on the Internet spouting off about there's this abortion bill in i think georgia or something and man there hollywood's just having a cow about it because something like you can't kill the baby after like six weeks because you can detect the heartbeat or something like that praise god for that amen i think you ought not to kill them period but you know this is better than other things they are having a fit and one of them gets on there and she says this she's like i believe in god I I believe in God, I love God, but 
I still have to base, all my beliefs are unfounded though, she said. In other words, uh, the, the Bible isn't factual and I can't believe any of that. And so we have to go by science. And I thought, that's just crazy talk. Oh, I believe in God, kind of. <laughs> that's, not no, that, that's definitely not a born-again child of God. But my point is this, is that, listen, we're in this world. We live in this world, but we're not of this world. We've been rescued from the authority of spiritual darkness. Satan has no authority in our life. So he can bark and cry, whine, do whatever he wants to do, roar, laugh him off. Just devil, why, let's go back to the book and see what happens with you. He'll stop, leave you alone. I mean, he don't want to hear about it. Amen? Just bring back the word of God to him. He will shut up fast. I'm telling you. He will leave you alone. Now, let's look at something else. I want you to go to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. And let's look at verses 13 and 15. Colossians 2, 13 and 15. Talking about you and I. And you. It says right there. And you. Talking about me and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he is made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. What was that? The law. All the things you just weren't capable of doing. And he has taken it out of the way having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Now, I'm going to read the same three verses, but I'm going to read them out of the New Living Translation because I think this just is a lot smoother. So just listen, and this again goes along with what we just said. You were dead because of your sins. And because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all your sins. And he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. And so this scripture is telling us that we were raised together with Christ out of death. We were raised together with Christ out of death. We've been forgiven. Our sins have been wiped out. They've been annihilated, really. I mean, your sins don't exist anymore. They've been wiped out. Nothing there. There's nothing against you. What does the devil do in your life? You did this, and you did that. You remember when you were 16? You remember, do you never notice you can have this vivid memory of something stupid you did way back when? But you need to remember, shut up, devil. I don't belong to you. You're not my father. I don't have anything to do with you. you that's just a memory of sin. It is not real. It is not present. It is like watching an old movie. It doesn't exist. My sins have been wiped out. Everything that was said against me that said I'm the one that did this and this and this and this, have all been nailed to the cross. It doesn't exist anymore. All that was done on the cross. But notice verse 15 of Colossians 2.15. This is what I want you to see. 2.15 says, Having disarmed principalities and powers. Everybody see that? Having disarmed 
principalities and powers. That is so important. Having disarmed principalities and powers. Disarmed means that Jesus stripped them of their authority and power. He literally, right in front, be like taking a general from a foreign nation that we captured and controlled and literally stripped him down of any authority right in front of everybody. That's what Jesus did to the devil. That's what he did to those powers. When it says those principalities and powers, we're talking about those spiritual rulers and authorities in the kingdom of the devil. In other words, that darkness. They have been totally stripped. Disarmed means disarmed. You can't shoot a bullet if you're what? Not armed. You, you're no threat, right? I mean, what, what scares you about a lion? Think about it. Those big fangs, right? Those big claws. But if you take away the claws and you take away <laughs> the teeth, you know, he might be able to knock me around a little bit, but I can wrestle too. In other words, what is the lion going to do? Gnaw me to death? I mean, just, right? Are you guys getting this? He's got nothing there. He's, got, he's sitting there screaming in your life, this is going to happen and that's going to happen. and this. He's got nothing. He has no weapon. He has been disarmed. And that means all that Satan can throw at us, every demon, everything that we can, we can see try to come against us, we realize, absolutely powerless. How threatened would we be by a foreign country that didn't have any weapons? <laughs> I mean... No weapons, nothing. And yet we got massive weapons. I mean, we could just take out the whole thing at one time. And that's what we have in the Spirit. Amen? We got what? The sword of the Spirit, right? The shield of faith. We're ready to go. And he's got nothing. He is just a big loudmouth, I'm telling you guys. Now, there's another translation that says this, and I really like this. It says that Jesus reduced them to nothing. He reduced the devil to nothing. All he's got is a mouth. <laughs> wonk, 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 wonk. That's it. He's reduced to nothing. The Weymouth translation says this. It's kind of old English, but it still proves something. It says, And the hostile princes and rulers he shook off from himself and boldly displayed them as his conquests. And when by the cross he triumphed over them. I'm telling you, there had to have been one wild thing going in hell when Jesus was raised from the dead. Because, I mean, think about it now. I mean, the devil really didn't know what was going on. He thought he did. And he thought he had Jesus. And he thought, you know, he, man, he had really done some damage here. And then, of course, we know the third day came. And what, what? God, it is enough. It's enough. He paid the price. And somehow the Spirit of God reached down in hell and brought Jesus, raised him back from life and put the life of God back in him. And he was alive and he paid the price. I'm telling you what, they had to have been afraid beyond belief when Jesus started coming back. It was over and Satan knew it then. It's done. It's over. It's, it is, I'm telling you what, guys, you got to use your imagination with this picture jesus just you know if he put a collar on the devil and he's just kicking him all over hell the one that was making all these threats and he's just carrying around like a little weak dog like like nothing 
powerless, absolutely powerless. That's why he's the king of kings and lord of lords. He is the mighty one. You've got to get that picture in you. I mean, he is Jesus, the lion of Judah, and he's got teeth. Amen? But the other one who tries to act like that, got nothing. Now, who did Jesus do this for? You need to ask yourself, who did Jesus do all this for? He did it for you and I. We read that he came, he became our sin, he wiped out our sins, he set us free, he defeated all the powers of darkness, and Jesus didn't do any of this for himself. He didn't have a problem with the devil. Yeah, think about it now. He, Jesus didn't do any of this because he needed it. He did it because we needed it. He did it for you and I. You have victory because of what Jesus did for you. Amen? I have victory because of what Jesus did for me. Amen? Say it with me. I have authority over the devil. Say it again. I have authority over the devil. Don't you dare, dare, dare let him get away with anything in your life. You call him on it. And when he starts lying to you, he'll tell you, oh, you're going to die of cancer. I mean, you, you sit there, <coughs> and he'll tell you you're dying. I mean, he'll, he'll, he'll bring up something. He'll, he'll remind you, well, remember how your dad died. Remember how your grandpa died. My wife the other day, she was uh, struggling with just the opportunity for you know, a headache. And it was it, nothing. And, well, her dad died of a brain aneurysm, just dropped dead, literally about 20 years ago. She had this thought because, I guess, his mom died something similar like that. And the devil was telling her. And I said, oh, Lisa, you and I both know that's a lie. See, well, how do I know? She'd been delivered out of that family. Amen? Did you get in all that DNA crap? You know what I'm talking about. Everybody's out there wanting to do all this DNA stuff. First of all, I wouldn't spread your DNA all out over there if I were you. But the, I mean, if I want to look about their history, you know what your history is? Look in there. You want to know my genealogy? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> and then we can look down from there. Amen? That's my genealogy. Amen? I was raised. Remember, I died. I died. So as far as family Osman, for all of that, I died. And I rose together again. I'm a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. All things are new. Does that mean it or does it not mean it? If it, you do, then start confessing that. Don't you dare let the devil say, well, you know, heart trouble ran here, and the doctor will tell you that, and he'll start, and they'll start talking. You see, don't you, t- no, 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 no. Doctor, I'll be glad to come see you, but don't you make those confessions. Don't you say that over me. Be bold. Some of you are looking at me like, ah, you know, I, I couldn't do that. Well, fine then. Hey, listen, is nothing wrong with the doctor Evaluate. It'd be no different, guys. Listen to me carefully. You look at your body like you look at a house. If something is a creaking and a moaning, does that mean the whole house is coming down? No. It just means something might be off a little bit. You know what I'm saying? And it just needs a little adjustment. You check it out. How do you find out what it was until you check it out? And if somebody tells you, hey, uh, I got a little concerned about that, well, thanks for your concern. I'm uh, by the stripes of Jesus. I'm well. And certainly investigate it. There's nothing wrong with that. You're not making a bad confession. You need to get over the idea that if I say anything about myself, it's wrong that in, in, in any negative way. If my body hurts, is my body hurt? So is it wrong for me to say my body hurts? 
See, some of you are like, that's a trick question, Pastor. It's not. If my body hurts, does it hurt? Is it real? Is the pain real? So if, me, if I'm saying, man, that really hurts, is that a bad confession? No. No. The, listen to me carefully. What does the Bible say we're supposed to say? Call those things that be not as though they were. So what do I say? In the name of Jesus, leg, you're healed and whole. You are fully functional because Jesus paid a high price for you. I can, and then I begin to talk to it, but that doesn't mean I deny what's going on. That doesn't mean, listen to me, if the doctor says someone has stage 4 cancer, they're not lying. There's stage 4 cancer in there. I, it's not a matter of me saying, wow, there's an opportunity here for cancers obviously in my body, but I'm to call those things that be not. What's the be not? The healthy and whole. I call those things that be not as though they were. That doesn't mean I ignore everything. You understand what I'm saying? I'm walking by faith. So if I'm saying, by the stripes of Jesus, I'm well. Ow! <laughs> by the stripes of Jesus, I'm well. Ow! That doesn't mean I, I, I ignore the ow. The ow is not there. The pain is all in my, it's just not there. It's a figment of my mind. No, it's right there. And it hurts. You know what I'm saying? But what you're doing is you're calling forth what you desire, not what you have. Don't spend your time focusing on, I guess it's not working. Well, who said it wasn't working? If I lay hands on you, and you believe the Word of God, that if I lay hands on the sick, they'll recover, just like you do, and I lay my hands on you, then what is your confession? Praise God, I'm recovered. I don't care what I feel like. I don't care what I see. I don't care what my body says. I don't care what the doctor says. By the stripes of Jesus, I was healed. Because hands were laid on me, I'm recovered. I'm recovering. I'm getting better and better day by day. Not... You know, the moment I feel the pain again, oh, I I guess it didn't work. Well, who told you it wasn't working? Can I ask you a question? Can a farmer prove that the seed he's sown before he can see any fruit from it is not working because he can't see it? (laughs) You get it? In other words, who said it's not working? The devil. He's the one that's always telling you it's not working. You're believing God for something. You set your faith for something. Then if you're really in faith, then you rejoice. And remember we talked about Sunday. You're staying in joy. Why? Because I believe it. i got something to be excited about. It's working in me. It's working in me. But when someone's not rejoicing, you know what that tells me? They're not in faith. They could snow me all they want, but they're not rejoicing because they really don't believe. They're kind of hoping things might work out. And they're hoping like, I hope it might work out. Not, not a confident expectation. See, that's what Bible hope is. I want you to get this. Bible hope is confident expectation. Does confident expectation sound like, I sure hope it works? Or does that sound like what? I am confidently expecting. I am confidently expecting. What does that sound like? That sounds like what? Faith. So if I'm confidently expecting it, then what should I be doing? Rejoicing. Amen? Rejoicing. Why? Because I know it's on the way. Well, things look bad. They're about to change. It's on the way. Things are changing. You get what I'm saying? My leg, praise God. I know it hurts, but praise God. It's about to change. It's about to change. You guys get it? 
It's about why, I'm, why is it about to? Because I'm confidently expecting the word to work. But when someone has this, well, thanks, Pastor, and the moment they feel something, they walk away, I guess, I guess it didn't work. I, guess, I feel, what were you expecting? Expect, listen to me, keep your faith in the word, not your feelings. See, when you expect a, a, an immediate change in your feelings, what were you doing? You really weren't trusting the word. You were trusting what? What you could feel or what you could see. That means you're not walking by faith. Faith is what? Trusting his word. This is all bonus dessert, okay? What <laughs> in my message. But anyway, let's end there. Praise God. Let's honor the Lord. Amen.